Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the human race. This is part of our race overview series where we go over all the possible player races. And Christian, this is seven of seven core races right here. Yep, we're at the very bottom of the list for being the most populous race in the Pathfinder universe. But hey, you know what? I'm I think humans are the bottom of the list where they where they belong. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people really like humans from a mechanical standpoint. Um, humans are probably one of the most popular races I think people pick. Definitely, and I find myself hating it because I'd be like, I want to build this cool character. I'm like, but a human? I mean, come on. I want to be a fantastical race. I want to be a Tengu or something, not a human, but these mechanics, son. But the, mm, the minus two to constitution is really killing it for me with the Tengu here. I know, you right? <laughs> your birds with your, your hollow bones. <laughs> or hollow bones, as some of us pronounce that word. <laughs> um, let's talk about the physical description of a human. Look in the mirror. No, I'm actually very interested in what Paizo says, so let's read this. The physical characteristics of humans are as varied as the world's climbs. Is that is that, that the plural of climates? I had to look that one up. That is referring to regions of the world based on their climate. So that's the plural of climate. Kind of. I always would assume it's climates. From the dark-skinned tribesmen racist of the southern continents to the pale and barbaric raiders of the northern lands, also racist. Humans, per- <laughs> humans possess a wide variety of skin colors, racist, body types, racist, and facial features. <laughs> racist. You're not allowed to talk about differences, guys. That's racist. Wow. Okay. Generally speaking, human skin color assumes a darker hue the closer to the equator they live. At the same time, bone structure, hair color, and texture, eye color, and a host of facial and bodily phenotypic? Phenotypic. Okay. Thank you. Our characteristics. I like typic better. Phenotypic characteristics vary immensely from one locale to another. Cheekbones may be high or broad. Noses aquiline or flat. Another word I don't know. And lips not flat, aquiline. And lips full of thin. <laughs> full or thin. Eyes range widely in hue, some deep set in their sockets, others with full epicanthic epicanthic folds. Another word, lots of words. For a race, I know exactly what they look like. A lot of words I don't know. Appearance is hardly random, of course, and familial, tribal, or national commonalities often allow the knowledgeable to identify a human's place of origin on site or at least to hazard a good guess. I love that phrase, to hazard Racist something. overall. Humans' origins are also indicated through their traditional styles of bodily decoration, not only in the clothing or jewelry worn, but also in elaborate hairstyles, piercing, tattooing, and even scar- scarification. Wow, so, that's a lot for something that did not need a lot. I think the most important thing to take out of that is that in Glorion, there is an equator. <laughs> so we are on a planet. That's good to know. If it is a planet, there is an equator. Uh, let's talk about ages. And for once, we don't have to talk about two separate ages because we are the ages. Matter of fact, you've heard them in every episode, honestly. But uh, let's go over them here. Humans. Humans are adults at 15 years, are middle-aged at 35 years old, old at 53, venerable at 70, and they can live up to 70 plus 2d 20 years. So the oldest human is 90 years old. And uh, we're going to be doing this one right for, you know, the first time in seven episodes. Let's talk about their uh, base height and weight. Getting their height right, their base height is 4 feet 10 inches, and then you add 2d 10 inches onto that. Uh, female, it's 4 foot 5 plus 2d 10. And their weight is 120 for male plus 2d 10 times 5. That's weird to calculate that. And then 85 for female plus 2d 10 times 5. Now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about... Oh, wait, ooh, they have male and female names. None of them are normal. I don't see John in here. Yeah, not a single one. They are all, like, they're really tribal, it seems, for a while. Sekor. What, would they just remove the T from the robot in Mortal Kombat? <laughs> Shang Tung in here? I can't even pronounce this one. Gorbo? Elif? E-I-L-I-F. Elif. Elif. I like Elif better. All right, fine. Elif, sure. Whatever. They're cool, but they're, none of them are, none of them are like what, standard stuff. Ragnar. Ragnar, no stupid. Yakubus. Yeah, Yakobus. It sounds like something like some sort of Egyptian god. Let's talk about 
their mechanics, their standard racial... Tra- oh, actually, the one thing we want to talk about this, we usually don't talk about any sort of the lore behind them very much, but the one thing we have mentioned in other episodes is that they are the only race that can breed with other races, and only a set few. You can't have, like, a half-tangu running around out there, uh, but you do get half-orcs and half-elves. Um, any other halves? Uh, I think that's it. There might be some existing in the world, but they haven't been put out as playable character races. You know what? They need to have half cat folks so you can have those like anime girls with the cat ears and the cat tail. Please, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nekogen. We need to have Nekogen. I mean, listen, I got, a, I got a, a bone to pick with you, anime. I have a question. How come girls with cat ears always have also normal ears? Do they really need two sets of hearing? Is that what that's... I need to know what this is about. Answer me. Answer me, internet. I don't, I don't think the people that write anime are going to bother to answer that question. What do you mean? Don't they all listen to our show? <laughs> all right, mechanics. The, why don't you talk about their ability score racial trait? We've seen this before with the half-elf and the half-orc. They got their ability scores from the humans. The humans get a plus two racial bonus to any one ability score of their choice at character creation. This is what makes humans very versatile, just like the half-orcs, just like the half-elves. Right, you can really tailor them to be whatever you want, class-wise. Size, they are medium creatures. Base speed of 30 feet. And they begin play speaking common. Uh, If they have a high intelligence score, they can choose any language they want except secret languages. Any language. We just steal culture from everyone else, you know. (laughs) You know what? It's manifest destiny all over the place. (laughs) I'm sensing a very racist theme with these guys. Let's see if if it follows through. The humans only have two racial abilities. Their first one is a bonus feat. At level one, humans get one extra bonus feat. This is one of the things that makes them such a good pick for certain classes that just don't get a lot of feats. You're like, got to be human because that bonus feat is just so powerful. There's a lot of you know classes, a lot of builds where you need to follow a small chain of feats to really get the build going. Like think of it like an archery build. You need your classic point blank shot. Mm-hmm, uh, rapid mm-hmm. shot, many shot, deadly aim. Getting that online at level 5 versus getting it online at level 7 is a really, really big difference. And you also have to keep in mind that generally, the larger the level, the more time in between levels. It isn't like exponential because you do get more XP because you're fighting bigger monsters. But generally, it takes longer. So if you get something at 7, you don't have to wait till 9 anymore. That's incredible. The other thing they have is skilled. They gain an additional skill rank at first level and one additional rank whenever they gain a level. So essentially, this is like, hey, you know your favorite class Your favorite class option? Just automatically, you always get a skill point. And this is something that makes humans... I find it interesting because, you know, if you think about it in terms of, like, how the mechanics are represented in the world, this means that humans can be dumber at things but be equally as good at things as other people. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, they can have less intelligence than another race, but they'll get just as many skill points mm-hmm. as another race doing the same thing. So they can technically be stupider, but be just at, as good at things. You know, honestly, uh, when I first played this, I thought this was awesome, but nowadays I'm like, it's not so good. Well, at level 3, I get 3 bonus skill points. If I get to the pinnacle of level 10, I only have 10 bonus skill points. I don't think they're really. it's all that interesting to me. I find it more of, uh, I love that when I'm, say, a cleric or a fighter, because Mm. they only get two skill points a level. Suddenly getting three skill points a level, that's 50% more skill points. If you're choosing your favorite class bonus to be a skill point, now those two skill point per level classes are four skill points a level. That sounds like a lot of maths, but I like it. Not really. I mean, it's just increments of one. That that's a lot to me, Christian. <laughs> and by the way, just the other day I learned that maths isn't just a funny way to say math. It's because you're saying mathematics, and you're just like I'm gonna shorten it and add the s back up there. Don't try to justify your. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only have two skill. We only have two racial traits. So how many alternate racial traits could there be, Christian? I I mean, really coming out. <laughs> Actually, a good number. A lot of them are very similar to each other. There's, like, thematic ones, and there's just, like, a slightly different theme for everyone. But there's a good number of them because, you know, they're so, I want to say generic almost, that you could really put anything in its place, and it's comparable. Why don't you talk about adoptive parentage, which is a really interesting racial trait. Humans are sometimes orphaned and adopted by other races. You choose one humanoid race without the human subtype. You start play with that race's languages and gain that race's weapon familiarity racial trait. 
If the race does not have a weapon familiarity, you gain either skill focus or weapon focus as a bonus feat that is appropriate for that race. This racial trait replaces the bonus feat trait. Very um, flavorful, but I'm not sure I'd pick it. I think I like being able to have flexibility in my bonus feat better. It's it's one that more goes along with flavor. Um, there's the only thing that you can't get here with a bonus feat is the weapon familiarity because that's actually like multiple exotic weapons per, uh, potentially. But you know what else? If you do get the weapon focus, that is a feat. So you're getting a feat in a couple languages for one trait. So then if you're planning on getting it anyway, why not? Also, it doesn't state that you need the one BAB for weapon focus. So you could get it early if you're a not full BAB class. It's true. It's definitely a very interesting alternate racial trait. Talk about dual talent. This is really interesting because this replaces your plus two to one ability score, your bonus feat, and skilled. I best get something pretty good. <laughs> That's all a lot of stuff. Some humans are uniquely skilled at maximizing their natural gifts. These humans pick two ability scores and gain plus two racial bonus in each of those scores. Okay, yeah, well, that is good. Yeah, that that's is really good. They're the only people that can do that, I think, except for, like, probably some of the broken other races, like Drow. I think it's actually appropriately costed, losing that bonus feat and skilled. I think it's worth it. Oh, definitely. Because uh, I think this is, like, uniquely powerful in point-by systems. Definitely. Like, you can really cheese this in point-by with certain classes. It's a little min-maxy, but I do like it. It's a good trade-off. Next is Eye for Talent. This replaces your bonus feat. Humans have a great intuition for hidden potential. They gain a plus two racial bonus on sense motive checks. In addition, when they acquire an animal companion, bonded mount, cohort, or familiar, that creature gains a plus two bonus to one ability score of that character's choice. Interesting. So yeah, I'd trade a feat for that if I had one of those things, a familiar or mount or whatever. Yeah, that's especially if it's like a familiar that you want to be in combat. Giving a random plus two to constitution or strength it can be pretty cool. Especially if you're, like, a fighter and you have more than enough feats. Yeah. Focus study. This replaces your bonus feat. They are replacing my bonus feat, and I don't like it. At first, eighth, and sixteenth level, some humans gain skill focus and a skill of their choice as a bonus feat. Huh. Such such humans, not some. <laughs> no, some humans. No, just <laughs> say. <laughs> so this is, you know, you're trading your bonus feat for three bonus feats, essentially, except you have to wait for some, and they're always skill focus. What's skill focus? That is plus three to a skill of your choice, and then once you get ten ranks in it, you it becomes a plus six. So this is actually insanely powerful. Yeah, I like it. you got to be playing a long campaign. Not many campaigns go to 16th level. Yeah, I think as long as you reach 8th level, this is, you know, immediately worth it, because then you've gotten two feats for the price of one. If you're starting at 16th level, I feel like this is a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, this is, I want to say it's borderline, like, busted at 16th level. This is one of the few traits we've seen that, like, scales so heavily into the late game. Yeah. Not only does it become 1 to 3, you get 300% more skill focus, but skill focus itself becomes stronger at level 10, so it just, whoa, that's really insane. It's true. Next, we have our first of a set of feats that are called Heart of the X, and these are the thematic ones that we're talking about. They all replace skilled, and they give you some sort of bonus to a skill or an ability based on the X. So, first we have Heart of the Fields. This is for humans that were born in rural areas and are used to hard labor. They gain a racial bonus equal to half their character level to any one craft or profession skill. And once per day, they may ignore an effect that would cause them to become fatigued or exhausted. Great trade-off. Yeah, I like it. Getting rid of fatigue isn't always uh, easy. I mean, aside from sleeping. Uh a lot of times it's like you have to use a higher level wizard spell or a cleric special ability. So it's good to be able to have it. Heart of the Mountains. Humans born in the mountains are skilled at negotiating heights and precipices. Any plus two bonus on climb and acrobatic checks to move on narrow surfaces and uneven ground. You're also considered acclimated to the effects of high altitude. I've never used high altitude. I've never used narrow surfaces and uneven ground. I probably should, but I don't, so I would never pick this one. Next is Heart of the Sea. Humans born near the sea are always drawn to it. I want to say that's not true. Hey, 100% of the Christian, time. Christian, humans born near the sea are always drawn to it. Did it say sometimes, Christian? Maybe they I misread really? it. No, 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 no. Maybe I misread it, Christian. Why don't you tell me? Does it say sometimes? I'll just, yeah, I'll read between the lines. Or does know, it say I think, always? 
I think there is an eldritch entity drawing people to the sea, and we should really watch out for that. <laughs> That's great. What does it do? You get a plus two ratio bonus on profession sailor and swim checks, and these are always class skills for the human. They can hold their breath twice as long as normal, and spellcasters gain a plus four ratio bonus on concentration checks while attempting to cast spells underwater. That's pretty heavily loaded. Um, you can hold your breath crazy long in Pathfinder, and twice as long as crazy long is like <laughs> double crazy long. Super crazy long. Mega crazy long. And the, the concentration checks underwater, that's a really interesting one because I think there's specifically a concentration check to cast fire spells underwater so that they become steam instead of fire. I'm starting to remember that back when we did our magic episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's specifically like you make a concentration check just to use fire spells underwater. So that could, you know, that could potentially go along with even a wizard type character. They have high intelligence. They don't mind losing the skilled uh, ability. A GM that does a lot of YouTube shows, we've mentioned him before, uh, Neil Erickson, goes by the uh, alias Koibu. He does, like, roleplay, one of the first role uh, roleplaying, funny enough, uh, things I ever got into. He had this scenario where the players were trying to get this special sword that's really good at killing dragons. And when they finally figured out what it was, it was at the bottom of a lake with a dragon-like serpentine circled around it. And they're like, well, this is uh, not going to be easy to get this thing. <laughs> And I they, don't like fighting dragons when I'm on, like, regular even footing. <laughs> right, right. Oh, a blue dragon in the water? This'll go well. But the point is, no good. And then he was playing D&D 3.0, I think, and the thing had, like, a steam breath and, like, cooked somebody in a, in a cave and all that. Anyway, ever since then, I've always, like, I really would like to challenge my players with fighting a dragon that's in its natural habitat, and the water one really seems interesting. You're fighting a forest dragon in the forest, is like, okay, they have some like natural abilities, like they can walk through the forest without being Im- impaired. But it just feels like water is such a difficult thing. I would love to run that kind of encounter where my players have to fight something at the edge of a lake and try to figure out how to beat him, and this would be the case where that would come a real and handy, I tell you right now. But it still feels very specific. Enough about that heart of the slums. Humans who eke out a life in a city's teeming slums must be quick and clever. They're getting plus two bonus on sleight of hand checks, plus four bonus on survival checks in urban and underground settings. In addition, they may roll twice when saving against disease, taking the better roll. Oh my gosh, take this. This is great. Uh, They also get a plus two on stealth checks. I don't know if you mentioned that. I probably didn't. So even better. Yeah, this one's really... All of these so far have been really good. A little circumstantial, but... I would I would like, get rid of this this skilled for this any day, especially because this kind of benefits a rogue and rogues already get eight skill points a level. So I don't really think you need nine skill points a level plus your intelligence modifier. <laughs> I do. You don't know me. You don't know my life. Actually, this goes perfectly for rogues because they have a bad fort save and diseases are fort saves. Next, we got Heart of the Snows. 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 Really. What what, what word should they have yet? I don't know, used? but the poor old snow is not snows. It's what snow. It? Oh, you're right. Uh, Heart of the Tundras? Heart of the Snow! It's fine! Wait, is, is Tundra? <laughs> tundra pluralized? I don't know. Get on with it. <laughs> he was born in chilly climes. <laughs> Admiral Stukov would say, Get on with it. They treat cold climates as one category less severe. I have never used the severity of temperature table in my life. They gain a plus two racial bonus on fortitude saving throws against the effects of cold climates on any check or saving throw to avoid slipping and falling, and to CMD against trip combat maneuvers. This bonus applies on acrobatics and climb checks made in slippery conditions. Eh. This one's the most specific of the ones we had so far, and thus, like, really only worth taking if you know for a fact you're fighting, like, mis- like Frozone 100% of the time. I'll give you this. If you're, like, maybe your, your players have to adventure out to the Antarctica equivalent analog... Like, you want to make that very deadly for them. Like, there's a reason living things don't come out here and don't live here. So I'd imagine you want to use, like, the, the climates table and things like that, and, and this could be a lifesaver for that situation, if that's the kind of campaign you're, you're, you're into. Heart of the streets. Humans from bustling cities are skilled with crowds. Again, a plus one bonus on reflex saves, plus one dodge bonus to armor when adjacent to at least two other allies. Crowds don't count as difficult terrain for them. This is interesting. Uh, that plus one dodge bonus to armor would have been great, but then I read the le- rest of that sentence. You're not always next to two other allies. Very rarely, I want to say. 
You are you adjacent to both so your allies? Pretty much just I'm getting this plus one reflex and the crowd part. Eh, it's not a lot. Yeah, the the only time I think you are adjacent to two allies are like consistently adjacent to two allies is when you have enlarged person cast on yourself or somehow enlarged, and mm. then you're already losing AC, so it kind of nullifies. Eh, not as excited about this one either. Me neither. Next, we have Heart of the Sun. Humans born in tropical climates treat hot climates as one category less severe. They gain a plus two racial bonus on fortitude saving throws against the effects of a hot climate, as well as against the poison and distraction abilities of swarms and vermin. They are just getting more and more specific as we go down the list. I'll give you that, though. Swarms can be tough if you don't have anything to handle them, and you would want this. Yeah, I, I don't want to get bitten by, like, dire green heads. But plus two on effects of a hot climate. Ugh. Yeah. Do I do feel like I've been in more deserts than tundras in my campaigns? Heart of the Suns. <laughs> you know what? They had they like snow. We can't have a non-plural. We make it plural, but sun is fine. I get it. All right. Okay. Sun and sea. I get it. Heart of the Wilderness, the final one. Humans raised in the wild learn the hard way that only the strong survive. They gain a racial bonus equal to half their character level on survival checks. That's pretty wow. good. Plus five bonus checks? on... On all survival checks. Plus wow. five bonus on constitution checks to stabilize when dying. Uh, you use that all the time. You hope to never have to use it, but you end up having to use it all the time. <laughs> and add half their character level to their constitution score when determining the negative hit point necessary to kill them. Oh my gosh. Remember how we talked about how half-orcs can take human feats? If I was a half-orc, I would take this so hard. Oh yeah, because then the half-orc has that potential build. Where oh they no, can, no, wait, um, do they have skilled? Uh, they can. Yeah, so or I would... they could take, like, the... I think they could take the human spirit feat to take a, uh... That's right, that's right. I would absolutely, if I were them, pick this. This would really fit with their theme. But just as for the humans, this is great, too. Yeah, this one's probably one of the most powerful. And like you said, it's not stuff you ever want to do, but when you do do, this is... <laughs> do do. Uh, <laughs> do this do. is substantially powerful. Half your level, plus five. Plus five's a really big number. Yeah. All right, so out now of the that hearts. we're off the heart of X, and we're back to the regular, old, boring racial traits next we have heroic so uh this is going to replace your bonus feat uh some humans are born heroes in campaigns that use the optional hero point system each time these humans gain a level they gain two hero points instead of one if they take the blood of heroes feat they gain three hero points each level instead of two if you're using hero points this is obscenely powerful mm-hmm Especially if you get it at low level, where you're probably going to level up a few times. That means you could basically use three hero points every level. And that's like a plus eight mechanically, or like whatever your GM says is okay for a hero point. So I guess this kind of varies based on like how loose your GM is with the hero points. Mixed heritage. Often human civilization is defined by more than one characteristic. A human with this trait may select the second heart of the racial trait. This places the bonus feat racial trait. Um, hmm. I'm not sure if I really want to replace a bonus feat, but there was, a, there was about two heart ofs that I actually wanted that I thought were good. So it's it's con to consider. Yeah, some of them were pretty powerful, so I would definitely replace a bonus feat with one of them in certain circumstances. Next, we have Silver-Tongued. This replaces Skilled. Humans are often adept at subtle manipulation and putting even sworn foes at ease. Humans with this trait gain a plus two bonus on diplomacy and bluff checks. In addition, when they use the diplomacy to shift a creature's attitude, they can shift up to three steps up rather than just two. Now remember, you actually have to roll good enough to do that. I forget what it is, but it's like every every, for every five over or something like that. So you can't just do it. It's if you happen to roll high enough. If you happen to roll obscenely high. Right. Um, Which if you have a great diplomacy that you're that this is helping you build up is possible. And honestly, that's not that hard for some classes and some builds. Uh, but this is a great party face kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you're not like me and use diplomacy incorrectly every single time. Also, make sure your GM actually uses the shifting attitude <laughs> rules and not just, eh, he succeeded. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, this is the... Here's something um, annoying. I was going to say, originally, was uh, humans also have really great racial subtypes, except um, some of them don't change more than one they just say like for example there's trailblazer which <laughs> trailblazers hey guys hey guys hey, guys hey hey hey, hey, hey. hey. you know what that Wait, one we're says? not getting sued again are we huh no, no. we're not getting sued no. again are we? yeah i'm not gonna sue you i'm the trailblazers that's that's our show 
Uh, Trailblazer just tells you to take heroic. It doesn't. It doesn't tell you to take two things. What's the point of this? But let me tell you anyway. There's cosmopolitan, country folk, gutter rat, imperious human, trailblazer, and versatile human. Really confused at why some of those just show one. The whole point was to give you a couple that would fit a theme. But you know what it is? You can only replace skilled or bonus feats, so sometimes you can't replace both of them. And then in one case, you can replace your uh, ability score. Right. Well, uh, so far I like it. Let's, uh... I mean, there's... I don't think there's been a single one, or a single, like, part of the base human where we're like, that's not that good. Like, everything's been good so far. The only thing that's been bad is a couple of the all-generational traits, which you can, um, just not pick them. Exactly. There is three human archetypes. The buccaneer for the gunslinger, the feral child for the druid, and the wanderer for the monk, and there is a sorcerer bloodline, the imperious... Uh, bloodline. I have a question. What does Imperious mean? We've seen that word a couple times. Give me a second to right click. <laughs> Search Google for the exact definition, which I knew once you asked me immediately. <laughs> yes. Is assuming power or authority without justification, arrogant and domineering. Hmm. Well, that's one way to describe humans. Or just me. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Rude. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to today's game show. Last we left off, you had control of the board, David. Go ahead and pick a category. I'll take weak spots for 600, Caleb. I already told you that isn't the category. In that case, I'll take things that don't fit in castles for 400. All right, for $400, here's the answer. This massive thing won't fit into a castle. Dom. What is a dragon? That is correct. All right, we surveyed 100 people. Top five answers are on the board. We come across an obviously important character who I've spent hours preparing as a critical pivot point to the story. What do you do? Yes, David. I shoot him in the face. That is correct. And that means you have reached the million-dollar question. Here we go. David, for a million dollars. This podcast is an entertaining podcast where a couple of friends get together, hang out, and play the tabletop RPG Pathfinder together. Is it A, the Trailblazers Actual Play Podcast? B, Pathfinder Academy, an informative podcast about the same game? C, the Trailblazer Network on iTunes, where you can find both of these shows and more? Or D, more information on our website at tblazer.net? I don't know, that's a tough one. I'd like to phone a friend. All right, let's get Dom on the line. Dom, I'm stuck here. Can you help me out? I sure can. The answer's A, the Trailblazers podcast. Is that your final answer? Yes, A, the Trailblazers podcast. That's correct! And everyone's a winner because everyone can listen to the Trailblazers podcast every Tuesday right here on the Trailblazer Network. Because the only thing nerdier than playing RPGs is listening to shows about people playing RPGs. Let's get to their racial feats. I've been excited this since we started this series. Yeah, you kept talking about them, talking about them, talking about Why don't you talk about them a little bit, Caleb? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do them all now. They're all mine. Let's start with Defiant Luck. Once per day, after you roll a natural one in a saving throw or a critical hit is confirmed against you, you can either re-roll that saving throw or force the creature that confirmed the critical hit against you to re-roll the critical confirmation roll. This doesn't stack with other effects that allow you to re-roll saving throws or an attack roll. You may only make one re-roll. Uh, this is pretty cool. I like this a lot. I often pick this if I pick humans. Uh, neatly enough, it's part of a chain of feats. The next being inexplicable luck. Once per day is a free action before a roll is made. You may gain a plus 8 bonus on any single d20 roll. You can also use this ability after the roll is made, but if you do, this bonus is reduced to plus 4. That's basically a free hero point every day. It's awesome, and I love how it has the flexibility of, oh, you didn't, you didn't think you needed to use it, but you really do now? You get plus four. Maybe you could still save. And it's any d20 roll. Freaking, you talk about everything's trying to be so versatile. There's nothing more versatile than um, any roll. And then there's bestow luck. You gain extra use per day of your defiant luck ability, and you also can use your inexplicable luck ability to grant an ally that can see and hear its benefits as an immediate action. There's nothing better than saying to your ally, uh, oh, hey, you know what? GM, re-roll that critical hit against him. I don't think it happened. That's awesome to be able to help your allies like that. How would you flavor the inexplicable luck part? <laughs> like, given your I can't. It's inexplicable. Fighter... <laughs> All right, then you, you beat me there. <laughs> <laughs> Shut down. The fighter just helps the wizard make a spellcraft check. 
If if you guys can find this and send it to me, I'll love you. There was this um, Lost uh, ARG, and it was uh, kind of like a uh, a shock jock, um, more like a political guy. Like a, a, a um, it's like a Sean Hannity show, right? But it has to do with stuff for like Lost, and he'd have like a like how radio shows always have sound bites. He'd be like shut down, and it have the gate sounded like a gate closing of like a prison cell. <laughs> and I cannot find that. I want that sound bite so bad. If you find that, I'll love you forever. Is it a uh, is it copy written? Because we should. It's an ARG. I don't think they care. <laughs> for for a show that's been off the air for years. Just so you can use it on me, I'm flattered. Please, no one send it to Caleb. <laughs> you mean? Real quick, I was supposed to put that whole feet together. It costs three feet. As a human, you have a bonus feet, so it kind of only costs two. What do you think about that? It's honestly one of my favorite feats in the whole game. I think it works really well on something that has a lot of bonus feats. But I feel like the chain is a little too deep for people that are like, say, a cleric wouldn't really have room for that. I agree. There is, if you take this, there's an awesome build. You could take this, and then you take you take like the three um, save chains, the lightning reflexes, great fortitude, um, iron will, and then the three improved versions of them. And then we'll see a second here. Humans also have an improved version of the of the will one. Uh, I mean, a third one to go with the will one. You could take a feat called Strong Comeback that whenever you're allowed to reroll an ability check, a skill check, or a saving throw, you gain plus two bonus on the reroll. You get So you have ability to reroll every saving throw and any d20 roll twice a day, and you get a plus two on that roll. I really think it's a really very powerful um, sustained build, the build that just trying to keep you alive. You don't even need a class. You just need to be a human. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, what's your character? I'm just a level 11 human. <laughs> I just live all the time. That's what I do. The next uh, feat we got here is Critical Versatility. This requires the human to be a level 11 fighter. Once per day, you can spend one hour practicing maneuvers to gain one single critical feat that you meet the prerequisites for. You gain the benefits of the chosen critical feat until you choose to practice a different critical feat. Talk about versatility. Um, The critical feats are... There's a lot of powerful ones. There's stuff that, like, stuns when you get a critical mm-hmm. hit. There's stuff that bleeds when you get a critical hit. It's a lot of different things that happen with a critical hit. The stun one is the most powerful, but I think they all have different prerequisites, so it's really nice that uh, you can switch back and forth as you get the prerequisites. Like, you can chill around with the bleeding one until you get the prerequisites for the stunning one, say. You know how for the rogue, there's certain there's certain rogue talents that affect their sneak attack, and it says you can only have one of these effects on your sneak attack at a time. It's the same thing for the critical for the critical feats. So having critical versatility is helpful because if I had to spend two feats on two different criticals, I still can only use one at a time. I spend this, I have access to everyone that I have a prerequisite for, and I can just switch in between. I'll never I'll never be able to use two at the same time anyway. You have to make sure that there's no like chains like take a certain critical feat into another critical right. feat, but there isn't. There's no reason not to take this if you're going to take one of them because then you can have the other ones if you need them. Very powerful. I think this is another one that uh, you got to remember. All these, the orc and the half elf can pick. Eclectic. Choose an additional favorite class and gain either a plus one hit point or plus one skill point whenever you take a level in that class. If you choose a class in which you already have levels, the benefits of this feat are retroactive. This is like the half elf whole theme. Yeah, it's ba- it is basically the half elf uh, ability. It's nice on a feat, but I'd wait until I was like pretty late in the levels, just so like when you take it, it's like boom, five extra hit points, or boom, five extra yeah. Hit points, and even right then, the I, I honestly think other feats are better. But it's good to have. Next, we have fast learner. This requires you to have thirteen intelligence. When you gain a level in a favored class, you gain both plus one hit point and plus one skill rank. Instead of choosing either one or the other benefit. Or you can choose an alternate class reward. So basically, you get two. Right, it's what it um, would say. The breakdown for you is you get you get both plus one hit point and plus one skill rank. But if you do choose the the um fa- another flavor class favorite class option, you don't get either. Wait, you don't get either. You like you can only get correct. You can only get both of them if you get both of them. If you pick the alternate, um, the f- favorite class bonus, you won't get either. Oh, what? Well, I mean, that's still good, but I wish it wasn't like that. That's weird. Right. Honestly, like, that's I, basically, I that's basically I, saying, or you can just choose not to have this feat. Exactly. Uh, I often don't actually pick favorite class options, so this actually works out well for me. But this is part of a chain, and next in that chain is improvisation. You need to have an intelligence of thirteen and fast learner. You get a plus two bonus in all skill checks for skills you have no ranks in. Furthermore, you can use all skill designated train only untrained. Pretty good, especially if you're a fighter and you just don't have the skill ranks to put into it. What you can do as a fighter 
It's just put skill ranks in your class skills. Don't worry about anything else. Pick this and you get plus two. Still, plus two isn't a lot, right? Uh, I mean, you might be modified if you have any positive uh, modifiers to any of your ability scores. What really makes this powerful is the next feat in this chain. Talk to me about improved improvisation. Those both start with MPROV. Your non-proficient penalty with weapons, armor, and shields is halved. In addition, the bonus on all skill checks for skills you have no ranks in increases to plus four instead of plus two. Mm, that's three feats in to use stuff that you're not proficient with. I'm not big on that, honestly. I love it. As a fighter, I often pick human just so I can do this because what I like to do, even when I have any um, any class, is I try to get everything to a plus five and then boost things that I really want past a plus five. So I always have a plus five no matter what I'm rolling. This just essentially gives me to me, makes it very easy to make things to plus five if I have any sort of bonus on anything at all. And, I, and you know me, I'm, not, I'm afraid of negatives, so I never have a negative there. So I, I'll, I'll occasionally have to put one in another class, uh, in another skill. But most of my points go in class skills. Everything's at plus five. I think it's worth three feats to not be a, the standard fighter that just can't do anything outside of combat. Now I am so versatile. I love it, and I honestly, I agree with you, I don't ever use as much for the um, non-proficient penalty reduction. It is, I find it is uniquely powerful for the fighter specifically. I can't think of other like classes where I would really want to do this. And I, I really like Fast Learner, which is the first part of this feat, getting, I don't have to choose between a hit point and a skill point anymore, I just get both. And again, with fighter, I'll take that skill point and that hit point, I need both. Right. I, I, I'm... I know you're not intrigued by it, but I really, really like it. And like you said, I agree with you that it's probably just a fighter thing, maybe a couple other classes. But as a fighter, I really think it's a great pick, especially because you have enough feats and it's a bonus feat as a human. I love it. It is interesting because then you could technically be good or at least have the possibility of use magic device as a fighter Mm -hmm. without ever putting points in it. So that's interesting. Fearless Curiosity. You need a Charisma 13. You get a plus one bonus on saving throws against effects with the Emotion Descriptor. In addition, for any round in which you begin your turn affected by a fear effect, you get a new save at the beginning of your turn to reduce the severity of the fear effect from panic to frightened, frightened to shaken, and shaken to unaffected. Eh. Eh. A little specific. I, f- I feel like there's a lot of effects that say, like, get a big bonus to fear effects, so I don't place low... I don't think there's a um, ton that have Low bonuses to fear effects. Very good. Yeah, I, I can't think of stuff off the top of my head for a motion descriptor either. Yeah. Uh, but this is part of a chain. And the next part of that chain is Dauntless Destiny. You need 10 ranks in Intimidate in addition to the previous prerequisites. So you, you take this at level 11, because you, you don't get a feat at level 10. You gain a plus one bonus on saving throws against effects with the emotion descriptor. This stacks with the previous one. So this is part of a chain... The next part of this chain is Intimidating Confidence. You need five ranks in Intimidate in order to take this, and you need the previously mentioned prerequisites for Fearless Curiosity. You get a plus one bonus on saving throws against effects with the Emotion Descriptor, and this stacks with the previous feat. When you confirm a critical hit as a free action, you can make an Intimidate check to demoralize one creature you threaten. If you have the Dazzling Display feat, you may make an Intimidate check to demoralize all creatures you threaten instead. You get a plus two with this check if your weapon has a times three critical multiplier, or a plus four if it has a times four critical multiplier. I, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but there's other feats that help you do demoralization that I think I might pick them better. Yeah. I want, I want, they're um, not a feat chain I have to deal with. I mean, Swashbuckler can just do this all the time, as long as they have a panache point right. at level three. <laughs> Uh, there's another feat that is a branch off this change. You don't need Intimidating Confidence, but it does modify it if you do happen to have it. You need Fearless Curiosity and an Intimidate of 10 instead of 5. You get a plus 1 bonus on saving throws against effects with the Emotion Descriptor. This bonus stacks with those granted by Fearless Curiosity and Intimidating Confidence. So we're at a total of plus 3 now. Once per day, you may reroll a natural 1 on a saving throw or an attack roll. If your reroll results in a successful saving throw or attack roll, as a free action, you can make an Intimidate check or demoralize the target of your attack are the creature that forces you to make the saving throw as long as the creature is within 30 feet and can see and hear you. Does not apply on saving throws against traps or other objects. Does not stack with other effects that allow you to re-roll a saving throw or an attack roll. You may only ever make one re-roll. That's been consistent. Uh, I like at least the flavor of it. Like, that somebody tries to do something like the wizard's like, you will run away, and you resist it, and you just look at him and just like give him the, uh, the look of death, and he's like, oh, crap, and he's like afraid now. I like that idea. But I don't know. It's a lot of feats for, for in my opinion, not a great effect. Yeah, if I was going to go down this feat chain, I think I'd do any of the other re-roll chains for human. Mm-hmm. 
Like, this year's getting one. We'll see that there's a lot better. You could do a lot better than that with human. Mm-hmm. Next is heroic will. This requires you to have the iron will feat, and you need to have a base will save of plus four. Once per day as a standard action, you may attempt a new saving throw against a harmful condition requiring a will save that is affecting you. If you are dominated, controlled, or cannot take an action because of this effect against which you are trying to make a new saving throw, you can make this saving throw at the start of your next turn as no action. But on a success, your turn ends. You cannot use this feat to remove instantaneous effects, effects that do not require a will save, or effects that do not allow a saving throw. This is very interesting to me. Yeah, this is basically a rogue advanced talent, one of the really good ones. I think it's called, like, um, Iron Mind or something like that. I don't remember its exact name, but this is something that you can typically only get at level 10 for a rogue talent. Just to have it on a feat is really powerful. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you have the uh, improved Iron Will, you get the re-roll already. So if you roll, you fail. Re-roll, you fail again. Well, in my next turn, even though I have it, I'm going to re-roll on one more time. If I have strong comeback, that's a cumulative plus six I've been getting. Plus, if you get the other re-rolls from the other thing we were talking about, the other feats, it, it can be really good. It stacks well, I think. And even even by itself, it's good, even if you don't have all those other things. Next is Huntmaster. You need uh, one rank to handle animal. Okay. Either an animal companion, a divine bond mount, or mount class feature, which essentially will be, I think, just the cavalier or the samurai. If you have the Animal Companion class feature, pick one of the following types of Animal Companions that this affects. Bird, dog, small cat, or horse. If you have the Divine Bond mount or mount class feature, this feat always affects horses. You gain plus two bonus on handle animal and knowledge nature checks with creatures of that type of animal. Furthermore, your tree is one level higher when determining the abilities of your Animal Companion or mount as long as it's of the chosen type. First part, really irrelevant to me. The fact that my uh, Animal Companion is always one level higher is awesome. That's actually really good, especially if you can get this at lower levels, because, like, Animal Companions have this really weird scaling where they start off, like, ridiculously overpowered because they have, like, two hit dice to start off with, and then, like, around level 8+, plus, they start to really taper off and not be particularly useful. Um, this makes their early game absolutely insane. They're going to have, like, three hit dice while you still have one hit dice. And this will really help. So for something like, if you're a ranger, your Animal Companion is stays pretty darn bad it's like at level seven it only reaches level four then but at level seven when it reaches that level four it jumps up a bunch so if you can do that one level early you're level six and it's jumped up that huge boost that every animal companion gets at level four that's that's amazing you've done it one level earlier if you are a ranger though uh just to make sure i don't know if you know this feat exists caleb there is the boon companion feat which is your Animal Companion counts as four levels higher, just up to a maximum of your character level. So for Rangers, that would typically be a better option. But doesn't, at just some point, doesn't it just start equaling what it would be if you were Druid anyway? Yes, that's that's exactly what that does. It changes it from a weaker Ranger Animal Companion gotcha, to, like, gotcha. basically a full-strength Druid Companion. Does that ever happen just naturally through their class abilities? No, they okay. always count as, okay. like, three or four lower. Okay, interesting. Well, that's a lot for a feat to do. It also helps with multi-classing, if you want to step outside of an Animal Companion class. So the next feat we have is Martial Versatility. This is for level 4 fighters. Choose one combat feat you know that applies to a specific weapon, such as Weapon Focus. You can use that feat with any weapon within the same weapon group. Holy crap! Um, to be honest, this is something that I do that doesn't require a feat. This is just kind of something I consider for fighters, so they can use multiple different weapons. Yeah, that's great! I mean, usually, I mean, actually, I don't think how many times I change my weapons, but this is this is what helps fix that whole thing of, oh, there's there's this, I, I'm, I'm proficient with my longswords, what I use all the time, I got weapon focus on it, and then, you know, you go through a dungeon, and then the GM throws at you a magical mace, and you're like, oh, but I got weapon focus longsword. Now it's like, drop this longsword, I got this mace! Well, it wouldn't, uh, there, I wouldn't consider a mace in the same group as a longsword. Okay, all right. Christian, thank you for... Just to be fair, all right, I'm just... Thank you, you, know, you found just, the hole in my analogy, congratulations, you did it, you solved my wow, analogy I found riddle. A sweet short sword. What? You, all right, you get the point. All right, we don't, we don't I, have to... I found this neat scimitar. Okay, all right, I get it, I get it. <laughs> martial mastery is the second part of this feat chain, you need, of course, you need martial versatility, and you need to be a level 16 fighter. Wow, this is pretty late in the game, you're going to be pretty good. Uh, each combat feat you have that applies to a specific weapon can be used with all weapons of the same group. So weapon focus and then all the things that group up onto that, because that is just an enabler for different feats. Oh, wait. The first one didn't do this? Oh, my goodness. 
No, it's the, why would you? Why would you ever take the first one? Because it's just weapon focus. It's that plus one. But the first one only gets you one feat, so why wouldn't you just take that one feat instead of the feat that says you can do it? Because this applies to all of them in a group. No, yeah, martial mastery does, not martial versatility. No, versatility applies to all the weapons uh, that are part of the group of the specific weapon you've picked, weapon focus. Martial mastery now allows you to pick... Now, all those other feats that built onto weapon focus also apply to those other weapons in that group. uh, I'm saying super not worth it. Really? It... Yes, um, like you said, you typically only... It's a construct of Pathfinder, the way the mechanics tend to work. It would be neat if we could switch out weapons, but the fact of the matter is, by level 16, you probably have, like, a plus 5 greater flaming super longsword that you're not going to drop for anything else unless you're fighting stuff that's consistently dropping, like, god-tier weapons. But there are so many things that build off weapon focus. Greater weapon focus brings into so many things, like dazzling display, shatter defenses... All sorts of things like that. Deadly stroke. There's there's literally dozens. And have all those open up to a group of weapons, I think is great. Eh. Eh. Agree to disagree. I, I, I just found it weird that the wizard's allowed to do whatever the heck he wants with his spells, whereas you had to take two features to say, I can use this sword and this sword. <laughs> Again, this is something that I just give to fighters. I really, like, I just don't think this is worth a feat. I just think this is should be how fighters work. Cause but you, but, but because not, it did, not doesn't, if you're doing rules as written, you gotta do it. You say you think it's so crucial that you just give it to your players. No, I'm just saying I don't think it's worth a feat. Like, it's it's a non-factor on the game. That I don't see any reason to put that restriction there. But it is there. It should be. But it is. <laughs> Let's talk about something different, like racial heritage. Choose any other humanoid race. You count as both human and that race for any effects related to race. For example, if you choose dwarf, you consider both a human and a dwarf for the purpose of taking traits, feats, spells, magic items, so on. This is absolutely hilarious. There is so much <laughs> stupid stuff you can do with this. That is interesting. Um, what was the race that... I think it was Halfling. Oh, no, it was a gnome who had the linguistics thing. Uh, yeah. They're humanoid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're roughly human. They're humanoid. I take this just to pick their train. <laughs> now, the fun thing to do with this is you can... It, it. I think it's been confirmed that this is intended. You can take racial archetypes with this feat. Really? And the fu- the funniest thing to do is to be a human, take racial heritage goblin and take the I think it's a fighter archetype that allows you to bite stuff with your mouth that is a larger size category than you. <laughs> I was thinking the fire bomber, where you just light yourself on fire all the time. That too. This opens the door for wow, so much crazy. shenanigans. And it's not even like you can just pick one. It just as many as you want. I'm sure there's silly Kitsune stuff you can do. This is great. Wow. Wow. I never knew this existed. This This is crazy pants. Humans could be literally anything. That's crazy pants. Uh, Last one, Surge of Success. When you confirm a critical hit or a natural 20 on a saving throw, you gain a plus two circumstance bonus on a single attack roll saving throw. Skill check or ability check of your choice before the end of your next turn. You must choose to use this bonus before you make the attack roll saving throw skill check or ability check. Ech, it's okay. I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I already rolled a natural 20. I don't... A plus two after that isn't really, like, not going to feel as good as that natural 20 True. Old. All right. Humans are ridiculous. Do you see why I constantly pick humans, even though I want to be, like, a cat folk or a kitsune? I'm like, no, 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 humans. Because they've got fantastic mechanics. I love it. That one feat just, just opened up a, a whole new world. Take my hand, Christian. I want to take you on a journey where you can be crazy bite fighter. <laughs> I mean, Christian, humans are fantastic. And you know what? If Paizo wanted to say, listen we got to make the human race the coolest because we are humans. They succeeded. Yeah, they don't have a lot flavor-wise, but that's because we can easily fill in the flavor because we identify as humans, right. or at least most of us identify as humans. Think of any build, liter- literally any build. It is probably made better by being a human nine times out of ten, mechanically. And you know what? I think I think that last one, that um, racial heritage... I bet that could kind of open up if you want to do a couple, like, role-play tweaks. If you wanted to do the Necogen, like, I got racial heritage, so I have a cat tail because I've got cat folk racial heritage. Don't know how that works. You, you always find a way to bring it back to the cat Listen, tail. I just saying I want Necogen in this game. That's all I'm saying. All right? It's the first class I made a custom class. No, no, we hear what you're saying. You're, you're saying it a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying I want it. I'm just saying give it to me. 
Listen, anime, all of anime, send me an email. Get it, make it happen. All right. <laughs> I blame anime. <laughs> Look how it's corrupted my soul. All right. Uh, well, guys, we obviously love the human, but you know what? All of the races have shown you something that if you really want to jump into those, they, they have a lot of individuality, except for the halflings, and yes. it just really helps you create. I think you can really boost your backstory with some of these um, feats or racial alternate racial traits and uh, I just I just love this part of the game how you can just be so varied and I know what you're thinking Caleb's so varied so what oh big whoop you've named seven races well guess what guys there are 49 races guys that's a lot guess what the series is gonna last a while <laughs> and um, these come from the advanced race guy which is Honestly, my favorite book they've ever published. I, I love that one so much. Um, as well as in the Bestiary, that's how they first introduced uh, different races before the Advanced Race came, Guide came out. And they've now adopted that since after the Race Guide, Advanced Race Guide, they want to give you more races. In Bestiary, like five, there's a bunch of new races. And also there's rules that if you just want to be a monster race, you know what, I'm going to be a Minotaur, which I've always wanted to be but haven't done yet. Here's rules on how to make that you know, equal to the other races. And there's rules on how to create your own race. When we're done with all the races, we'll go over some races that we've created. And then we'll talk about some races we want to see next. But guys, we've got so much left in store for you. Next, we're going to hit the featured races. So the core, the core seven. Now the featured are the next most common races that you'll see. And there's a bunch in that one. And we're going to start off with the ASMR and I can't wait to show that to you guys. And the good thing about this is these episodes are gonna actually going to be a little bit shorter because these guys, these guys don't have as much to them, as much alternate racial traits, as much feats. So these episodes will be short. They'll be nice little candy-sized, bite-sized pieces so you guys can get exactly what you want about each race. I think Paizo did such a good job in designing all the core races because there's none of them save the halfling that I would say I wouldn't want to play this race. Agreed. Like, I, at some point, I'd say, I would like to be a half-orc. I would like to be an elf. Like, I see their side of the world. Mm -hmm. Except halflings. Exactly, except halflings. Um, I, <laughs> write to us if you have played a halfling or really interested, and tell us what you like about it. Obviously, we're just two opinions. So I'd like to hear what, what inspires you about the halfling. You can contact us at our Twitter, at tblazernetwork, or at our email, uh, tblazernetwork at gmail.com. We love you guys so much. Can't wait to see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. You want to play some D&D &D tonight? No, I, I can't. You're not real. None of this is real. Real, 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 real. Mental divergence can be a tricky situation, but we here at Tales from the Lich can be your hand in the infinite darkness. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com <laughs>